And I think we often do a lot of measuring satisfaction and not a lot of measuring learning outcomes. So I really hope that our whole community will start really looking toward what are the learning outcomes that we're hoping to have and how are we measuring those? And then how are we reporting that back to our community? I don't think there's a better way to say our programs make a difference than having positive learning outcomes. I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 311, which features a conversation with Deborah Zapladil. Deborah is Vice President of Learning at the American Society of Association Executives. ASAE is a professional society with more than 44,000 members. ASAE educates and develops association professionals at all stages of their career. Deborah and Salisa talk about Deborah's priorities as she steps into the role of leading ASAE's learning portfolio, her philosophy of learning, the important work to be done in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and learning's part in DEI, the power of peer-to-peer learning, the need to look at learning outcomes, and the imperative to keenly understand your audience. Deborah and Salisa spoke in May 2022. And so as you just mentioned, you're relatively new there at ASAE. What are your priorities as you're coming in as vice president of learning? And how did you arrive at those priorities? Right. That's a really good question because there's so many things that hit you when you walk in the door in a new job. But I would say I put my consultant's hat on a little bit at the beginning and just um, did what I have been helping others do for a really long time. And that is starting with a sort of an exhaustive look at what the organization was offering in terms of learning. We looked at it from many different lenses, the um, the audience it was serving, the price points to members and non-members. Was it connecting to the CAE domains? Were there things that needed to be changed about the programs? And everything that we've done as we're looking through this, we're revisiting assumptions on every existing program because it's 2022. It's not 2019. It's not, you know, 2020 or 2021 when we were in the midst of this, you know, heightened pandemic state, but it, everything is, is being looked at in a completely different way in terms of just making sure that it's, it's going to resonate and that it works for the members first and foremost. And then of course, for ASAE as well, and that it, you know, it, it makes good sense to be offering the things that we're doing and, um, and all of those things. So I think that's a really important part for, you know, whether you've, you're new in a position or you've been in a position for a long time is to have the discipline to really revisit what you're offering, who your audiences are that you're serving, who are you serving really well, and who have not really been engaged in the association and its products and services and programs for a long time. So that was um, a really big piece of things. And in many cases, we've been redesigning programs and products. So I think what you'll see toward the end of the year is a new look at some familiar products that are going to take a little bit of repositioning. And I think we'll be better for it and we'll meet the needs of our members more and certainly where they're at in 2022. So that's been a really, uh, a really big piece of it. We have a lot of great data in-house. And so I have been mining that 
and really understanding the profile of the membership and where we have, you know, the bulk of members in certain positions and roles and verticals within the association community and how we're serving them or not. And if not, then, you know, how we're going to in the future. We've been talking to councils, committees, you know, groups of CEOs, et cetera, and really getting entrenched in conversations around what they want, what they need, what does ASAE look like and how can we serve them uh, moving forward. And we have a really, you know, I think a bigger portfolio than most people probably realize. And, you know, this year we have 16 face-to-face programs in 2022. When you think about, you know, sort of coming out of COVID and having that many. And then we have um, eight different types of digital programs, but a total of about um, probably 25 of those that we offer as well. And that is the piece that will grow dramatically over the next couple of years is the digital learning piece of things. But we, um, you know, as we look at 2023, we have a lot of new programs, um, face-to-face programs coming forward too. new design, rethinking new audiences that we're serving. They might not be these, you know, always these large, you know, two to three to four day conferences, but they might be half day, full days in different cities where we have a lot of members. So we're, you know, we're looking at all of that and really just trying to manage those programs and again, rethink it. So in addition to coming up to speed on all that ASAE has, it's sort of how are we differentiating some of these products from themselves? And then how are we differentiating from other things that exist in the market? So that's a, you know, programming the programs. We're doing a lot of that right now, if you will. (laughs) And then, you know, looking at our strategic framework and figuring out how to support that strategic framework through learning. And that's really three very important areas. And one is to deeply understand and serve the CEOs and the C-suite of associations. I think we've got an eye toward the CEO and we have for a while, and, and I think we're serving them fairly well, but we can always do better, of course. But it's, you know, the rest of the C-suite, we haven't necessarily programmed for as much as I think we will be in the future. And then the other is um, the second element of the framework is an omni-channel approach. So rather than, you know, we in the association world talk about content waste a lot, and there's so much content waste that comes out of these big meetings and, you know, these great articles that end up in our publications. And so we're really looking at deploying the content that we believe our members need and that our members are telling us they need in new and different ways and not just one channel. And then the the final is the pathway to leadership. So that's really, you know, understanding that we have a continuum of association execs and we need to engage them at every step in their career. I feel really strongly about that. And I don't know, most associations, I don't think do that exceptionally well. I think, you know, we we tend to focus on the leaders and then I think we've gotten very good at focusing on emerging professionals as a community. But I think there's a, you know, there's a whole swath of people that are in that midpoint of their career that start to feel disengaged or they feel like, well, this isn't, I'm not really at the CEO level yet, but how do we help them get there if they want to get there? And if they don't want to go that route, how do we help them be the, you know, the best specialist Um, that they possibly can in the area that they choose. Well, it sounds like that is plenty to keep you busy for your first few months and and 
beyond, but it makes a lot of sense to start with with basically sort of that audit and that really hard look at, you know, what it, what is ASAE offering and then questioning those assumptions to make sure that that what's out there is what it needs to be to to serve the community that you're serving. So kind of, you know, maybe one step away from ASAE specifically, although of course that's going to be a good point of reference for you, but I'm just curious about your perspective on the role that lifelong learning, professional development, continuing education, you know, the role that those kinds of things play in society in general, and then also the role of organizations like ASAE that provide that education and that learning. So it's a big, broad question, I know. Right. It is. Well, I'm a a big believer in, in lifelong learning, and I don't know that any of us can stay relevant in today's society without continuing to learn and evolve. So I think that ultimately the onus is on everyone to figure out how to do that. And if it means that you're not getting that through your organization, I think we have to go out there and we have to be proactive about seeking those opportunities to learn new things and to think differently and to challenge the old assumptions that we have. So I think it's extremely important. One, one of the things, there were so many awful things that happened, of course, because of COVID. But one of the things that I think we learned is that we can democratize learning more than we ever have. And so it's creating access that, you know, we haven't had before for some of our members and, you know, those in underserved communities and those that need, you know, special access, et cetera. And it's just, it's just something that is so important for an association to understand how to, in, in my humble opinion, really reach people in many different ways because otherwise we are leaving people behind. And we can't, as a professional societies or trade associations, we can't leave people behind. If we want our professions to thrive, we have to figure out, you know, how do we not just look at you know revenue and good learning outcomes, but how do we make sure that everyone has the ability to access learning and growth and be able to evolve? So I think it's really, really important. And I think, again, there's so many ways to consume learning, which is good and bad for those of us who are in learning, right? So on the one hand, for consumers and for the people out, you know, the, the learners out there in the world, it's wonderful because now there are there's learning at every price point. There's learning that doesn't cost a penny. And then there's you know, very sophisticated learning that you have to be much more invested in in terms of time and, and financial resources. So I don't think there's any excuse not to learn. And if we're not trying to learn, we are, we're just not going to continue to stay relevant. And I think, again, what, you know, what associations need to do is we need to stay relevant so that our members can stay relevant. And I think that's where the the harmony comes in is, you know, we're relevant. And so we're keeping them relevant. And it very clearly ties to learning, very clearly ties to the mission of associations, the way you're describing it, that it it really is about serving that profession or that industry or that community. And it's right in there and in why you exist in the first place. Right. And I think, you know, for most associations, we have to look at learning through a lot of different lenses. And, you know, one of the lenses is, how do we serve the mission or the strategic plan or the strategic framework or the key objectives? That's huge. And we do a lot of that at ASAE. And we're always going back to our strategic framework and tying, 
you know, what we're doing to the strategic framework. And I always will tell other learning professionals out there that if you can, you know, if you have a great idea and you can tie it to your strategic plan or your mission, then you have a much better chance of that succeeding and getting, you know, the green light and and getting um, support and funding and all of those things. So that's really important. But then there's also, in many cases, the learning component of an association has a financial responsibility back to the organization. And I think that's a bigger challenge right now because of COVID and, you know, many associations having lost, you know, their big revenue driver for a couple of years. And so, um, you know, I, I take that very seriously. We're stewards of other people's money and trust, and we have to use it wisely. And I think if, you know, if programs are underperforming, If there's no market for something, we have to be able to make those tough decisions because otherwise we have people that aren't going to the program, aren't interested in the content, supporting those programs with their dues dollars. So I think it's really important that we're shrewd and we're taking a really deliberate eye toward everything we're offering right now and making sure that it's hitting the mark. And we're going to all be trying things that won't work. And certainly we know that at ASAE, we are not going to hit the nail on the head every single time, but we've talked about this a lot internally and we want to do things differently. And the the essence of it right now is that because of COVID, we all sort of have permission to do things differently. And so some of the things that we've always done or some of the ceremonial things, or the things that have always been part of our association culture, we're looking at and saying, is there a different way? Is there a better way to do this? And I think the world has given us permission. And I would, you know, ASAE, we always feel like, well, if we try things and we can be transparent about what's working and not or not, we give others permission. We give association executives permission to do the same. So it's really important right now to be experimenting and thinking differently and knowing that, you know, you're not always going to hit the mark, but hopefully you're going to have a few really, really good ideas in there. At Tagoras, we're experts in the global business of lifelong learning, and we use our expertise to help clients better understand their markets, connect with new customers, make the right investment decisions, and grow their learning businesses. We achieve these goals through expert market assessment, strategy formulation, and platform selection services. If you're looking for a partner to help your learning business achieve greater reach, revenue, and impact, learn more at tagoras.com services. So you've shared some about the portfolio at ASAE. You know, you mentioned those 16 face-to-face. You have these eight different types of digital products. It's a big portfolio. I'm just curious to know how you plan to think about, you know, what you offer and why and what you might add and what you might need to sunset over time. Well, I think every association needs to be open to sunsetting programs And that is, you know, that goes back to if you're seeing a decline either in the quality of the program or in attendance, you have to stop and ask yourself why. And in some cases, it's reinventing those programs. And in some cases, it is sunsetting those programs. And and that's just what we have to do. We have to be able to make those decisions. I'm not saying it's easy because particularly in the association space, we have committees and boards of directors and, you know, all of these additional folks that are involved 
that you know may have conceived of these ideas. They might have been the, the program or the product that they brought to the table. And so it can be very political. It can be, it can be difficult to sunset products, even when all the metrics show us that we should. So I think that's just one of the things that we need to, you know, always be thinking about. But when it comes to adding, you know, we are looking at ways to make sure that the content that we believe and that our members are telling us is relevant, you know, to their work. And right now that those are positioned in a way that that they can be successful. So we know that not every um, content area and not every audience that we have can support a two-day conference at a conference center or a convention center. And so we're not going to, we're not going to build it that way. So I think we're being really deliberate about, you know, as we look at rolling on new content, how are we doing that and what's the right modality for it? And then, you know, we're, we're definitely going to be building up online feel that that is an area that we can strengthen. It will be, we're doing a lot of um, synchronous right now, and we need to build our library of asynchronous programs so that, you know, when members need to find things, they can. And, you know, we're looking at micro-credentialing and doing a whole host of, you know, sort of new and different things. And again, really thinking about where members are at in their journey and how to keep them engaged and how to provide them what is important to their career at every step of the way and and how they can lead their associations in a in a really robust you know way into the future where they can make a difference in the world what you were sharing there made me think a little bit about you know where ideas for new programs come from and i'm just curious to know is it uh, I'm guessing it's probably a combination of both kind of push and pull. You know, you're you're getting suggestions that come in naturally and you're probably soliciting opinions and proactively asking folks. But could you just talk a little bit about that, where those ideas come from? Absolutely. The best ideas come from our members when they tell us this is something that we're really struggling with. And the great thing about being new is a lot of members are, are calling and saying, this is what we need. And, and really, not just me, but we have a new CEO, Michelle Mason. We have a, neat, a new COO, Nancy Green. And then I'm the new vice president of learning. So one of the reasons that I wanted to be in this role as it was evolving was that it's an opportunity. Nothing's off the table. It's an opportunity to do things new and look at things um, from a different standpoint. And no one was sort of saying, no, 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 this is the way we've always done it. So that's exciting. So a lot of people are engaging with us right now because we're all new and that's wonderful. You know, people are giving us their opinions. Of course, um, CEOs are calling us and saying, you know, this is what I need for my staff members. And this is where I haven't seen ASAE offer anything in a while. So we're, you know, we're taking all that under, under consideration. We talk to our, um, our councils a lot and our committees and, you know, sit in on their meetings and we, we give them, you know, questions and assignments and things like that. We're also doing a lot of collaboration right now, which I think, you know, that was tough during COVID. I think collaboration took a little bit of a, you know, a beating across the association community and every community, frankly, because we were all home. We were somewhat siloed. And so now we're really having really, really fantastic cross product meetings where, you know, I'm talking a lot to the foundation about research and 
associations now AN and learning are looking at how we can collaborate on, you know, content and really pulling out a content strategy more than just a series of one-off programs, research projects, articles, et cetera. We're really looking at a more holistic approach to how ASAE can address some of these. But we're always talking to customers and, and members. You know, I say customers, meaning everyone from a member to a non-member, uh, because I think it's very important to continue to, to talk to non-member customers. But we're always asking, you know, what is it we can do better? And I love hearing from members and having conversations. And, and you know, not everything has the ability to be implemented. And again, we have to go back to, in some cases, they're great ideas, but we just don't have the market. Or we're serving that market really well with another product. And we just feel like adding a new product for that same you know, group of individuals or that same sector of our market will be, won't benefit the program that exists, et cetera. So again, it's just, it's just a series of looking at a lot of data points, looking at what we have, complementing what we have with what we don't have. So if you can imagine a grid in your mind of you know, first we start with sort of the CAE domains and what are we offering against the CAE domains and then the professional practices manual that many people know. And then what are we offering for those at the, you know, early stages of their career, the midpoint, the senior point, what are the prices that we're offering and where we see real opportunity is sort of that early to mid point of uh, the career where we can really help newer or mid-level association professionals advance. And so we're really going to try to do that. And I, I have such a strong belief that as we look at demographics of associations in general, we know we have to pull in new members. And you know we have to get those younger professionals or those who are newer to the profession in some cases that are you know not right out of school or, or necessarily young, but they've you know it's a, it's a second or it's a third career. But those are the people we need to pull in. So unless we are comfortable with our association shrinking over time, we need to engage those folks. So that's what we're trying to do. So you've been deeply immersed in learning, you know, before joining ASAE, you spent a career focused on learning. So how would you describe your learning philosophy? So first and foremost, Inclusive and accessible. I think that's really important. We at ASAE, we have a a big philosophy that is living and breathing around DEI and conscious inclusion. So that's something that we're looking at from every standpoint you can imagine and really trying to advance that. So I'm, I'm a very big believer in that. And then, you know, the democratization of learning, as I mentioned before, we have to meet members where they're at but I also think we need to lead them where we know they need to be going. And, you know, when all we do is ask members what they want, what they want, what they want, we might get a lot of the same answers of, you know, what we're already doing. You know, it's that whole, if we asked people, I think it was Henry Ford that said, if we asked people what they wanted in transportation, they'd say a faster horse, right? So sometimes members and and those out there in the community don't know what they want until they see it. So I think we can't limit ourselves to, well, this didn't come back on the survey. 
we have to always have our eyes and ears open and really think about what's happening in the world. I mean, this is one of the ways that I, I think all the time. You know, if I watch the news or I read an article on something, I think, how does this affect the communities that I serve? You know, how do we draw a dotted line relationship or a, or a solid line relationship in some cases to some of the things that are going on out in the world that perhaps our members are not paying attention to yet, but we know will impact them sooner rather than later. And so we need to prepare them. And sometimes it's that unrealized need that associations have within their members. They, they can see that something is evolving and coming toward the profession, but the members aren't always there yet. Now, we have really savvy members because they're all association professionals and they're all doing this work. So I am not suggesting that our members don't know what's coming at them. But I do think it's the responsibility of an association and, and learning, certainly, to ask members what they want and then you know have that eye toward the future, reading the tea leaves and saying, how are the things that are going on in the world going to impact associations. So that I appreciate the the sort of big picture philosophy, the that conscious inclusion, the being accessible, the diversity, equity, inclusion piece. That all makes a lot of sense, especially with that sort of association lens on it and just how how much of sort of a family and wanting to be what you can be for the entire industry or profession or whomever you serve. So at, that's at the philosophical level, at, at maybe more the practical level, what have you seen be kind of the key effective ingredients in learning? Like, what does it take to really help adults learn and learn well? Well, I think engagement is, you know, absolutely number one. And it's engagement in the learning, engagement with the subject matter expert, the facilitator, the instructor, and it's engagement with each other. And, you know, every program I've designed over the past many, many years and have facilitated, it's that peer-to-peer learning and that peer-to-peer conversation that means so much and really helps, I think, you know, sort of socialize the learning and apply the learning. That, to me, is an essential piece of what is offered to adult learners is that we give them a community. And sometimes that community is for an hour. Sometimes it's for the duration of the program. Sometimes it lives on beyond that, intentionally or unintentionally, and really help them understand, you know, I I like to say content is king, but context is queen. And I think that's really, really appropriate in the association world because, you know, we can take any content around, let's say, leadership or, you know, something along those lines. It might be how to lead change. But, and that could be great content, but we have to put it in the context of supply chain or healthcare or manufacturing. And what does that mean for the individuals that are working in the profession? How do you affect change? So I think, you know, relevancy is so important in learning. And everyone wants to feel understood and everyone wants to feel that those who are helping to lead them through the, through the learning understand where they're sitting and where they're, where they're intending to go. So I think a lot of that is extremely important. And then right now, I just think it's really thinking about where we are in 2022 and what our members need of us. And 
I have seen some associations go back to sort of, okay, now we're going back to 2019. We're going to do things the same way we have. Not many, but some are, you know, a little more entrenched in the process of the way they've been doing things for a long time. And I think that there's a lot of legacy that goes on in associations and um, it makes it a little bit harder to change sometimes, but we have to be thinking about what's going on in 2022 and make it extremely relevant to the day and the time we're living in. When you were stressing the importance of the peer-to-peer interaction and that peer-to-peer learning, first of all, I, I am completely on board and really do believe in that that power of that social learning and the importance of it. When you were talking about earlier the growth of digital products, you were talking about especially growing um, ASAE's asynchronous products. How are you thinking about the social learning, the peer-to-peer learning in the context of those asynchronous online options? Right. Well, I think there's a lot of different ways that that can happen. You know, within organizations, certainly there can be that asynchronous component, and then there can be dialogue, there can be key questions, there can be someone facilitating small groups around that content. And certainly we will always have synchronous learning as well. And again, this is where it comes to the um, omni-channel approach. So, you know, if we're going to be talking about, let's say, governance, we're not only going to do, you know, an online seminar series on governance where everyone has to be there at that date and that time. But for those who want to be and who really want to socialize with others, whether it's in person or, or online, they have that opportunity. But then for those who either might need it for a just-in-time, you know, oh my goodness, I have now, you know, a board um, retreat to plan, or I have I have to onboard new board members, something along those lines, they have access as well. You know, we have, um, as an example, we have an ethics, re- you know, requirement for the CAE that everyone has to get, you know, so many ethics hours. And so we need to have access to that all the time. And it needs to be both real-time or synchronous. It needs to be something that people can access 24-7 at two in the morning, if that's when they have time to do it. And then we're infusing that into a lot of conversations that we're having, you know, around DEI and around board practice and around CEO practice and strategy and all of that. So, so I think it's a combination. It's, there's no, you know, there's no one right answer. And again, I think that's why associations really need to think about when they have content that they know their members need how are they deploying it in a variety of ways that meet the needs of, you know, all learners and in long format and short format, we really have to think about, you know, how much time people have. And it doesn't mean that the entirety of the learning experience is 10 or 15 minutes, but it might mean that you're segmenting it that way. So it can be consumed that way. And, you know, it's funny because I remember when, you know, we used to say, oh, how could we how could we cover this topic in a half day? And, you know, maybe I'm showing my my age here. But and and then it was how can we cover this topic in 90 minutes, an hour? And now it's, you know, it better not be longer than 10 minutes in some cases. But it's different. You know, people consume differently. So we have to we really have to think about how to do that well. And then I think, you know, for all of us, we have to be willing to change our stance on things and, and, you know, to be proven wrong by our community. And that's okay, right? Things evolve. It doesn't mean that your last position, the stance you took on something was 
was wrong, but you know, things have evolved. You've gotten more knowledgeable. And I think the more knowledgeable we get about learning and about the association community and how we can serve people better and you know the practices out there, the better we the better we are. So you are spending a lot of your work time on learning, designing learning, developing learning, thinking about what needs to be in the portfolio. So I'm curious for your own lifelong learning, how do you pursue that? What are your sort of habits or practices or sources that you go to for yourself? Well, I read a lot. I look at case studies, you know, quite a bit. I follow, you know, McKinsey and HBR, Fast Company, Forbes, Inc. And I'm very interested in what is going out, you know, sort of in the macro community, what's going on out there and how that relates back to associations and how we can, again, help prepare associations better. So I think that every piece of anything that you consume gives you a different perspective on things. As I mentioned, you know, if I watch the news or a world event happens, the first thing my mind goes to is how does that impact associations? We recently did something at ASAE on the Ukraine-Russia situation, you know, and that sort of evolved because on the Collaborate space, there was a number of conversations. And that's another another way we know what's going on is that we monitor the Collaborate conversations and we can see what's bubbling up and what our members are really talking about. And there was a lot of certainly uncertainty and really, you know, not knowing how to handle, you know, members in these areas, how to handle what it was doing to oil and gas and, you know, all of those things. So we quickly convened a program around the ward, it was very, very interesting and a lot of folks really engaged with it. So again, I think, you know, paying attention to where uncertainty is, helping people, if not find answers, find community that they can go to, to say, you know, what are you doing? How are you thinking about this? What are you trying? How are you solving for this, et cetera? So I think it's, you know, it's that. And I also think, you know, I'm a big traveler. And I think you can learn so much when you travel. I'm sure there's about 10 Anthony Bourdain quotes that I could, you know, pull up right now. But it's really, to me, it's, you know, being around people that think differently, that live differently is such an unbelievable education. And what we come away with is is just incredible. And then the, the other thing is, I think, you know, I try to at least every two years, if not every year, do something that is a learning experience outside of the association community to see a different way things are designed, to see how people engage, to, you know, tap my head into something new that might stretch my thinking a little bit differently. So um, though I think that's really important too, that we can get so consumed in our own space and our own community that we lose sight sometimes of of other things that are happening out there and other ways to look at things. I like that reminder to not always keep going deeper and deeper into one particular area, but to pick up and look more broadly. So Deborah, what lessons learned or advice from your own experience leading learning would you have for others who are trying to run a successful, impactful business around lifelong learning, continuing education, professional development? I think um, the first piece of advice is it all starts with your audience. 
and really keenly understanding your audience and the segments of your audience. So, you know, oftentimes we see folks jump into developing, but they haven't really stopped and said, who are we really developing this for? And what do we know about them? You know, whether it's a persona or demographic indicators, but we need to know who those people are and what they need to know about, you know, the content at hand and what, you know, where they're at and, you know, are there barriers to them understanding, you know, some of the things that we're putting out there content wise. So I think that's really important. It's just, you know, it all starts with audience. And if we get the audience wrong, all the rest of the good work doesn't really matter. I think the other thing for association learning departments, and this is not my quote, this is from a Catholic nun that worked in healthcare. I spent years working for a healthcare association. So um, no margin, no mission. And I think that's really important for all of us to remember is that even though we're not for-profit entities, we're not for profit, the positive bottom lines that we can show from learning products funneled back into the association for new technologies and new product development and new ways to keep, again, ourselves and our members relevant. So I think every association needs to have, this is another thing I feel very passionately about, a position on how they feel about this situation of revenue. So in some associations, you know, it's sort of a you know, an ugly word. We don't, we don't talk about revenue because most, when it comes to learning, because most of their revenue comes in through membership or most of their revenue comes in through sponsors or the trade show or et cetera. But I think it's important to have those discussions and be extremely deliberate about those discussions and decisions that follow. Because if we're on the same page about our education and our learning products need to produce a bottom line that will support other things, it helps us make decisions about what we can and can't do. If our philosophy is we want to support the mission of the organization, and so sometimes we know we're, you know, we're going to be investing in that. We're not necessarily going to always see, you know, a positive bottom line on, on these products, then that's important to know. And that's okay. There's nothing that is a wrong philosophy as long as the organization is in sync on that. And I think that oftentimes the board might be thinking differently than a committee, than a CEO, than, you know, a department head. And it's so important that everyone is on the same page because only then can you have a really healthy learning department and learning portfolio. I think the other thing is we need to have a balanced portfolio. And I think we learned that during COVID that We certainly need to diversify our offerings and we can't have all of our products in one or two events because we are very vulnerable if we do that. And we also know that, you know, the possibility of being shut down exists, which we could never have imagined. And so it only helps us to build up digital products and digital assets in addition to -to face-to-face. I've never thought face-to-face is going away. I don't think it ever will. We had a conference earlier this week. We had hundreds of people there and it was just joyful to see everyone. And I think everyone sort of felt the same way, but we have to pay attention to digital and access and all of those things. And then I think learning outcomes are we really moving the needle on what our members are learning? And are they learning and then able to put things into practice? Or are they able to look at something differently? Are they able to think differently than they have before? 
And I think we often do a lot of measuring satisfaction and not a lot of measuring learning outcomes. So I really hope that our whole community will start really looking toward what are the learning outcomes that we're hoping to have and how are we measuring those? And then how are we reporting that back to our community? I don't think there's a better way to say our programs make a difference than having positive learning outcomes. Deborah Zapladil is the Vice President of Learning at ASAE. You'll find a link to learn more about ASAE's learning in the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 311. Deborah also invites you to connect with her directly at dzabladil at asecenter.org. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 311, you'll also see options for subscribing to the Leading Learning Podcast. Jeff and I would be grateful if you would subscribe if you haven't yet. As subscriptions, give us some data on the impact of the podcast. We'd also be grateful if you'd rate us on Apple Podcasts, especially if you find the Leading Learning Podcast valuable. Salise and I personally appreciate reviews and ratings, and they also help the show pop up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple to leave a rating. Lastly, please spread the word about Leading Learning. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 311, there are links to find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Mm-hmm.